블레이 부처님의 가르침으로 Let's get into it, shall we? Today we're talking about military service in Korea. All three of you have done it. Can you give us, like, I don't know, does it work? Your rank or when you did it or how it... When, when did you do yours, Inu? Um, I did mine from 2019 to 2021 May. Oh. I was a translating soldier at the Navy. Uh, I was part of the submarine force command. And I had a pretty easy time... Compared to others, definitely. So you were in the navy. You had like a white suit and everything. Oh yeah, and no. a black one for a winter. Oh. It's like a summer winter okay. switching thing. Okay. So you did navy. You did translation. Yes. Charlie. Uh, so I was in the demilitarized zone, hmm. um, and once you get there, you get selected into various different roles. But I was lucky enough to be a sniper. And uh, for each company, you have seven snipers. Yeah. But it's also very intense because mm. you have to meet a certain physical requirement. And when I got there, I was overweight. Mm. Um, I was, my, my Korean was terrible. Mm. But I, they gave me a two, three month period to get all that stuff together. And uh, eventually, I slowly made my way to going on missions. And I genuinely enjoyed it. I had a great time. You're looking ripped, man. Before we start, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you, like last time I saw you was a year and a half ago. Now yeah. I see you. So yeah, you got in shape, and you said you were lucky to be a sniper. Um, What's lucky about being a sniper? Simply because it's. I mean, it's really cool. Right? Yeah, and it's I, <laughs> uh, I, I like shooting guns a lot, and I was really lucky because going into the army before I had any idea of uh, what most men do in the military here, uh. I was under the impression that you shoot your guns, you know, quite often, you know, simply because you're a soldier. The reality of it is that you shoot, you know, like 20, maybe 40 bullets in boot camp. And then once when you rank up, well, mm. twice when you rank up from a private to uh, a corporal and then corporal to a sergeant, mm. if at all, because I have some friends who went to the army who didn't shoot at all. But because we were going on missions, we have um, to practice. So every week we were shooting, you know, anywhere between 100 to 150 bullets mm. each. Wow. But I got to do that with my personal gun and with a sniper gun. So I had a sniper rifle, and I had a really great time doing that. So you spent a lot of time with that sniper. Did you name it? Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> is it weird? we have um, yeah. we have two guns on base. So right. one is for uh, the day, daytime, mm. and then one's for the night. So there's a night vision scope. Mm. And so uh, it's shared amongst all the snipers. So we have to take really good care of it because it's like, $35,000 USD mm -hmm. per gun. Mm -hmm. And then the scope is like, you know, another 10K. So you have to be very gentle with it. And they always say like, treat it like it's your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, be very, very gentle with it. Does it look like a Call of Duty sniper rifle or whatever games people play? Like, does it look the part or does it look different from what people might, say? because not everybody handles sniper rifles every right, day. Right. Um, it's, firstly, it's very heavy because the oh. whole point of it is that you take it on missions with you on your back. It looks like a regular sniper rifle, but uh, we had to do a lot to camouflage ourselves and the gun because we were in such close proximity with the North mm -hmm. uh, Korean side of the DMZ. So we would often, um, it would be black and anything that could give off like a glare of light, we'd have to cover that with uh, black tape. Mm. 
And、um, if not, if it was a very snowy day, for example, we had to wear snowsuits.、Mm-hmm. And so we'd have to, you know, kind of cover the gun in snow or other white、uh, paint. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun trying to adjust to whatever the missions required yeah, by、man. the season and by the time of the day. And you've only just finished, right? Three months ago. So I think I'm the, I'm the freshest. Yeah. Out of army, yeah. out, of, out of the three of us here. <laughs> but this is amazing because such different experiences, right, not、right. just different time frames, but different parts of it、right. and things like that.、Um, Andy? Yeah,、uh, <clears throat> I got enlisted 2021 in July.、Mm. Um, and I initially served at the、uh, administrative school. Okay. So、yeah. that's where like, officers go to learn administrative. Um, tactical things like that.、Um, and then I actually moved bases in、uh, March last year, 2022,、mm. to、uh, NCOA, Non Commissioned Officer Academy. And I finished my,、uh, my time there. Doesn't sound like you had many guns in your no, place, no sniper rifles. No. But we, we <laughs> did do the、um, ranking up shooting、okay. exam test thing. Yeah.、Uh, you had to shoot.、Um, A certain number of shots、mm. in order to rank up.、Mm. Um, yeah, but Charlie's experience with a sniper rifle sounds much more cooler <laughs> than whatever <laughs> I did during my time. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess everybody's different, though. Everybody、very、likes different, different things. Different, I mean,、yeah. some people want to be sat at a desk and chilling,、mm. and other people want to be. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you all get into the military, you all do this thing. How, let's. Wind back and work out how it starts because you will know that you've got to, I guess, do the military. There's nationality, I think, that comes in with it, and you could some people choose not to do it. And all like, how did you first realize you're going to be doing 18 months, one and a half, two years of this? When does it first become known to you? How does that work? um I've always wanted to. Go to the military because shooting guns always sounded so cool <laughs> to me ever since I was like a little kid.、Yeah. So, even if I, even, even when I was in the States,、yeah. um, I would be like, Oh, I have to go back to Korea to do my service. I need to shoot that gun.、Mm. Um, but after becoming an adult and after realizing that this is not something fun necessarily,、mm. it's、mm. something that you have to do、um, regardless of what you want to do, regardless of your plans. Um, this is like a default of your life as a Korean guy.、Mm. Um, after that hits in, like as a reality, I don't think it's not that fun <laughs> realizing <laughs> that you have to go. Yeah. yeah. You guys get, you get a letter, you get an email. How does it work? It, it comes, my nephew was telling me it comes on your birthday or something. Like <laughs> you, you turn 17, 18, and you get this letter through. That's what he was telling me. He was like, you get this letter through, and like, bang, here it comes. Don't we get it on like our Senegi year now? In our freshman year? Yeah.、Um, you have to get your physique tested、okay. when you're, as soon as you're 20. Okay. So the. What do you call the Pyongmucheong in English?、Um, It's the Military Manpower、uh, Administration. Right. Yeah, the headquarters. Like the government. The, yeah. Government,、um, they tell you you have to get your body checked out.、Uh, you do that. Yeah. And that's when you're,、um, uh, you're determined if you're fit for the army or not. Tell me about this physical check. Because you guys all look like strong and fit. And 
Oh, oh, actually, I actually have a pretty funny story. So, yeah. I got a samgup, yeah, which is um, level three. Like, lo- level three. And is that good or bad? How many levels? It's just <laughs> six in total. It, six. It, it doesn't mean that much, though. Okay. So from so from level one to three, um, you just have to serve in the army. Yeah. And from four, I think it was kongi ke yuan. So social service agent. Yeah. And then five and six, you're practically exempt, right? Okay. Yeah. So. I got a level three because I have Jangnun, which means that my left eye can see way better than my right eye. Yeah. And for some reason, I thought the levels uh, could add up. And then I got a Samgip uh, for, for my Jangnun. Mm. And then uh, technically, tattoos count as um, what's Chahe in, in English? It's like self harm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they see it as. Uh, like a mental illness. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to call anybody out. I also have a tattoo. So. Um, so for some reason, I was like, oh, since I already have a level three, yeah. if I get a level one tattoo, they yeah. could add up, and now I can serve as a social service agent. Yeah. I was, go to the uh, army. Like for right. a full month, I was going around tattoo parlors and going like, oh, like how big of a tattoo would I need mm. for the army to see me as like, you know, ill. But then, yeah, it turned out that it didn't work that way, and you had to get like a level four for one specific area. Mm. So yeah, that's crazy that it's not just physical, but it's like your body, what you've done to your body with tattoos right. and things. I guess they would do piercings as well, or do they do hairstyles, or do they? Do I don't they... think tattoos don't matter. So even if you're covered like mm. top to bottom, you still have to serve. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, I think. I don't know if this is true. I think it's like an urban legend, but it's like if seventy percent of your body mm. is covered is covered in tattoos, then you're exempt. And if you have like a face tattoo and mm. neck tattoos, but I've served with guys who have neck tattoos, and um, I don't think there's uh, any like rule regarding tattoos. Mm. But once you're on base, um, you're not act- you're actually not supposed to be getting tattoos. But I got special permission from my captain. And so I got a couple. Yeah. And he said, as long as it's not like related to, you know, like uh, North Korea and like <laughs> communist ideals. Yeah. And I, was like, I was like, oh, okay, great. Because that's exactly what I was going to yeah. do. <laughs> I was getting like, like Kim Jong-un's face on, patted on my back or something. But um, yeah, uh, it's not that big a deal. And when you're in boot camp, you see like 100 guys. Yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, two, three out of ten guys have tattoos. Mm. Not not such a big deal in this day and age, at least. Maybe it was back in the day, but right now, not mm. so much. I think it, you, uh, this might be an urban legend as well, but I think it used to be because the uh, the kangpes, the gangsters, would all That's have right. the back tattoos. And right. it was like, if you had the full back tattoo, you kind of know those guys might be, might be involved in organized crime or something like that. So it might have been related to that. But these days, what I notice with young people, this makes me sound like a, a old guy or something but a lot of tattoos it used to be you always kept them like uh above the wrists and below the neck but now i see them changing man young people get them Mm -hmm. on the necks behind the ears on the fingers and it's all changing what was your stuff charlie when you go to do the physical test because you said you were overweight a minute ago right right, right. what was your experience with doing that physical 20 year old test right so uh i was in a very unique situation because i was actually exempt from the army Okay. So Inu spoke about it. He said, if you're a level four, then you don't have to mm. serve in, uh, like, in the army. But you're a you you know you're a social uh, servant, mm. and um, that was the case for me. So I took my test back in 2015, 
and I got a level four for various things. Like I had um, really high blood pressure, and uh, I was I had some skin trouble, mm. and um, I was like, okay, this is great. So I don't have to go to the army, and um, it was also I never really thought about the military because having spent the majority of my life abroad, mm. I was under the impression that I could just give up my uh, Korean citizenship. But when I heard this news, I was like, well, there's really no need for that. I'll just do the two years. It's mm. not such a big deal. And uh, then five years passed by um, because I was working and going to university. And I was just going to put it off until I was done with university, at least. And then I got a call from the Pyeongmucheong, mm. from the government. And they said, you have to get uh, tested again every five years. Because if, let's say, for example, like you're like 150 kilos, you can't go to the army. Right. So you'd be exempt. But in five years, you could, you know, have lost all that weight. And people could be abusing the system by, like, you know, getting really fat and then avoiding the military and then mm. losing weight. Um, and so I got that call and I went back to get tested. And this time I was a level three. Mm. And so suddenly I was uh, five years older than most of the people going to the, to the military. And now I had to go to the military. Mm. And uh, I was kind of in a tough situation and I was like in the middle of my uh, semester my in my uh, sophomore year and I was working a full-time job and it lasted throughout the night and I was really exhausted with that kind of life because when you have midterms and uh, essays to write and then you're working all night there's just like no time for you to breathe mm. and um, weirdly enough I felt like the military was the only place I could actually get some rest or some time to myself at yeah. least yeah, yeah. and uh, also saw it as an opportunity to lose a lot of weight because I was obese um, you know I was obese like by the very definition of that word when I took my BMI I was obese I was over 100 kilos and uh, my Korean was terrible it's a lot better now and so all those things combined I was like I think it would be a good experience mm. and then <laughs> I got to Donsan, which is where um my boot camp was at least mm. and then I instantly regretted it but um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, so the first time I went I was ecstatic because I was like okay great I don't have to serve and the second time I went like everything came crashing down I was <laughs> having a panic attack do you reckon I, I can't wait to talk about boot camp do you reckon that people do is there an element of people try to get level fours on purpose or yeah, does, 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 does that play in like yeah come on get level four yeah. A lot of people. Try I, to I fake don't know. It. Yeah, yeah, you hear stories about people trying to fake it. Like, if there's some people who are already, uh, you know, like really close to being obese. Yeah. Then they'll oh. just like take a summer mm -hmm. and binge eat. You know, <laughs> oh, not <God>. move. <laughs> or if you're really thin, then they'll just starve. And yeah. Now the uh, the the cutoff for that has become a lot more strict now because mm -hmm. a lot of people were abusing that. So I think it's like you have to be like skin and bones or like so fat you can't even, you know, like, you know, walk. Yeah, walk. Because yeah. <laughs> so. fat people can use drones or something like that. You know, yeah. war is changing. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a job for, for fat people as yeah. well. Like, so. what, what is it actually like when you go there? Is it just like doing a health check at a hospital or is it a bit more like military? Do, do they strip you down to your undies or is it like? Well, it's just like a health check. Just like a health yeah, check. They check yeah. your height, your weight. Um, They take your blood. Yeah. yeah blood test. They uh see if you have good eyes they do unlike you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't have good eyes either so i had a yeah. level two okay so if you're like a level one yeah. or a four yeah. then you're like 
Okay, so if you're a one, you're healthy mm-hmm. and you're good to go. If you're a four, you're like the chosen one as like the social <laughs> service agent. <laughs> but if you're like a two or a three, it's really like borderline. You know I mean? <laughs> you're not like Ambiguous. you're not sick or you're not like the chosen one. But yeah. you're not like on this. On the you're just healthy you're not, enough. You're, to yeah, go. you're not. You're not like perfect. <laughs> like your yeah. physique is not perfect. So, like, if you're like a level three, a lot of people they would. Tend to try to like, yeah, get the level four. What level were you, Andy? Uh, two. You were so two. So I was like, okay, yeah, gotta do it. I was. It was about two weeks ago. I was at a, a, a clinic, and they have the eye test thing there. I can still read the bottom one, man. Like my wow. eyes are bloodshot and red and everything like this, but they still work perfect. My ears are going because of the music. My eyes still work perfect. The very bottom line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's like two foot two point five. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but I can read it. Mongolian it's crazy. Eyes. Mongolian <laughs> eyes. <laughs> so you do that. You get your you get your number. Your number two. Your number three. Your number five, and then number three or whatever it was. And then you go back to you just go back to your life, right. and then you get this kind of what you can choose. Is it you, you can, can choose. choose? Yeah, you can choose. So if you have like a special talent or like a major, or if there's something that you want to do yeah. in the army, yeah. that'll maybe. Uh, in which you can use your skills. Yeah. For example, if you're good at English and Korean at the same time, you can become an interpreter. Mm. Um, in that case, you could take tests uh, to you know get enlisted into the army. Mm. If not, if you're just waiting, then the Pyeongchang, the government, they just send you a letter. Mm. Uh, this is the date that you have to go to Donsan mm. or Shingyode, um, which is like other parts of you know. Uh, Korea, in which you have to go to boot camp, mm. um, and so like, yeah. Or if you're good at musical instruments, you can become something called kunakbyeong, like a person that plays instruments. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of um, various jobs that you can apply for as mm. a as a soldier. A lot of a lot of students, a lot of men, they seem to do it like halfway during uni. Because you get the choice, don't mm-hmm. you? You can do it from what eighteen to thirty or something like that, right? So, all my international students they always ask me, why do they do it halfway through university, professor? Because in their mind they would do it before they went to university, and like is that gap year get it out of the way, or they would do it after they've finished university, which is a bit weird. But they didn't understand. But it seems to be the case that most people do it during university. How does that decision work, or what's going on with that? When do you, because you can choose when to do it, in a sense, can't you? Well, first off, uh, it's called chingjip. Yeah. That's when the government sends you that letter yeah. to. They just tell you you have to go to the army on this date. Yeah. And that's like in your early twenties, mm. and because the majority of the people just go through that, um, the ordering of you getting enlisted, <clears throat> I think everyone just has the tendency to try to go when everyone else goes mm. because uh, the military is like a it's a ranked society right and so it's not always pleasant to have someone like two three years younger than you like giving you orders <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's called um jamji okay so like uh, jam is when you eat gunde food mm. military food mm. and the more you eat jam mm. the more you're you know, you're the longer you've yeah, been there. Yeah, the longer <laughs> you've been there. But it's not always pleasant to ha- 
to be taking orders from a guy that's younger than you. So I think that's one of the reasons why everyone tries to go when everyone else goes in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was personally late. I think Charlie was I was uh, I was the late. oldest in yeah. my on my base, so um I think it's because <coughs> there's a hierarchy with age mm-hmm. ingrained into Korean society. So even if you want to go early, I feel as though um you're putting an unnecessary burden on yourself by being younger than, you know, uh, your juniors. Mm-hmm. So uh, you want to do the same training. You want to get through the same experience with people of your age because I think what's interesting about uh, the Korean word friend, chingu, mm-hmm. is the fact that you can only use that word for someone who's the same age as you. Yeah. Whereas if it's, you know, in any other country, at least in the West, there's no barrier for who can be your friend. Like, your coworker can be like 10 years older than you, and yeah. they can be your friend. But yeah. in Korea, it's like they have to be the same age as you. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just very in the system that people want to do things with people you know who are the same age as them. Yeah, because of that hierarchy, because of the language. Right. So when you were there, you would have had people much younger than you as your as your sergeants or something. Or right, but I uh, didn't really mind when I I saw them got scolded so it's not really like uh, DP or you know at least on my base mm. uh, as long as you did what you had to do and put in the effort you wouldn't get um, a lot of it, w- it wouldn't be that difficult for you mm-hmm. but um, once, once you're in the army it's like a different world right and uh, age and your background none of that matters what, what, what matters in that moment is mm. what you can bring to the table what you can do for your team on missions mm. and these guys, even if they're like five, six years younger than me, I, you know, I think they're incredibly accomplished. They're at the top of their physique. Their, you know, aim was impeccable. Mm. And uh, just because they're younger than me doesn't mean, you know, that I should respect them any less. So um, I think often you will have some seniors who are the same age as you or younger than you, but you still Mm. have to speak to them respectfully. Mm. And um, once they're on base, it, it all goes away. It's not such a big deal. I like it, Charlie, because you phoned me earlier and you went, hey, David. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, that's good. There's, there's no <laughs> professor. There's no sir. There's none of these. He's like, hey, David. Like, yeah, man, how are you doing? It's good. But it's very different in Korea. It's, right, right. it's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. Yeah. Let's, do, let's do boot camp. Like, so what, what's boot camp? Inu, can we start with you? Did you do boot camp? Yeah. Um, can you tell us about boot camp? The boot camp for Navy is in Jinhae, uh, which okay. is like at the bottom of the peninsula and I think both most boot camps they're basically the same um um you just have like a thousand tongis which are like the people you've enlisted with and um for a month you go through the basic training um and just learn how to how to function within a military um community maybe so just speak politely to your seniors um and you know, just learn the basic rules. What's the equivalent of sir? Yes, yeah, sir, in Korean. Yeah, I guess me da. Just yeah, yeah I guess it is. Yeah, close to me da. Yeah, I guess. So what 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 are you doing like day to day in it? Do you, do you have to get in the sea? Do you have to get in the swimming pools? Are you are you there doing like breaststroke with? Yeah, there's on? about a week or two of swimming training. Oh. Um, and yeah, other than that, I think it's mostly uh, physical and maybe a bit of shooting guns. And then we have the, uh, what's the, the 
It's a gas chamber. Yeah, yeah, gas gas chamber um, stuff. But we didn't, we didn't do gas chamber because of COVID. COVID. Oh, for real? No, we didn't. Oh. Mm-hmm. But I actually don't remember that much. <laughs> <laughs> you seem like you're clutching to try to yeah, remember yeah, yeah. what went on. <laughs> is that because you've just like blocked out this trauma, or it's just like it's not that important? It's not. I mean, it wasn't really that challenging for me. No. Because uh, reality still hadn't hit me. Like, even going through all the all the like the training, um, it still kind of felt like a dream not yeah. not a good one but uh. it just didn't really feel like reality and once i got to the base where i was gonna stand, uh, spend the rest of my time um i think that was when i got really stressed out like because uh all the seniors were there like at least in boot camp everybody was tungi mm-hmm. like friends so yeah up to that point it was it was all good for me like i didn't think much about it so was it hard like uh I don't mean to be condescending. Was it hard to go away from your family and your parents and your mother's Galbi Jim and things like, I don't know if your mom cooks Galbi Jim. <laughs> but do you see what I mean? Was it hard yeah, to get yeah. out of the family and be in that? Or is it like, nah, it's just like going on camp. I mean, for boot camp, it literally um, felt like a camp or a surianwe, if that makes sense. Like a retreat. Yeah, yeah, mm. like, a, like a school yeah. retreat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, like the teachers are a bit, bit meaner and then <laughs> food food isn't that good. But no, for real, it, it really felt like a surianwe. So, um I think entering the base, like the base I spent uh, my year and a half at, I think that was like the biggest point where I was like, oh damn, like I'm actually fucked. <laughs> yeah. Why were you fucked? What was the um, I'm just, I just wasn't used to spending uh, or just living that apart from my family and friends mm. for, uh, for that long period of time. So the very idea of that, like that I'm not going to be able to meet my friends or family when I want was very daunting, mm-hmm. especially that it, because it's like 20 something months. Um, yeah, just thinking about that, that long period, especially because I was like 20 something, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was very uh, crushing for me. You survived. Yeah, <laughs> I had it easy. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but I get the idea that different personalities will adapt to these things differently. You know, some people, we're all, we're all built differently. Boot camp, Andy? Was it, I get the impression boot camp was pretty easy. Um, did you do boot camp? Yes, I did. Okay. I did it in Donsan, which is where a lot of uh, the army guys go. So, mm. Inu was Navy, so that's where he went to Chinhe. Yeah. Uh, if you're enlisting in, enlisting in the army, then mm. most of you would go to Donsan Hulyeonso. Um, it's not, say, difficult. You mm. just got to do what everyone else does. Mm. And if you can't do that, mm. then you're having a difficult time. Um, but what have you got to do? What's the... What is it? Are you, like, crawling under barbed wire? Oh, yeah. You're, 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 <laughs> it's give called... Give us uh, some of this. Yeah, okay, yeah, so... Yeah, uh, I've seen the videos, but I've never been there. So you would have to wake up six... 6.30 in the morning. What's the alarm? What does oh, it sound like? Oh, worst. 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 Oh, worst
The guy that the guy would say into the mic, 기상 기상 현 시간부로 전병력 아침 점호 준비. So 아침 점호 is when you all go out into the field. Yeah. In the morning, as yeah. soon as you wake up, so you just go out, and then you report uh, ill people if you've slept well or bad, um, things like that. Um, and then, like during the day, you would do. Uh, one of the things that you you would do is called kakkejontu. Mm-hmm. So um, you crawl under barbed wire with your gun, um, do all sorts of hard things in the dirt and mud, and um, you would go shooting as well, mm. throwing grenades. Sorry, mm. um, <laughs> grenades. Yeah, you would. <laughs> it's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Like his boot camp throw a grenade. Yeah, like uh, but we didn't throw real grenades. We okay. threw like practice. Grenades, they're yeah. blue and they're very small. Yeah. They're decoy. Like, yeah, they just go. Pfft. It's not too bad. Oh, but they go. They go off. Yeah, they do go off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and there's this thing called chongshin mm. chalyok. So it's like oh, yeah. mental tactics. So, what we all thought of that was like, oh, they're trying to gaslight us. <laughs> the <laughs> army is is good. Yeah. <laughs> what we're doing is is um, majestic. Um, I did get that kind of feeling. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of things. Oh, and there's the uh, the hengun. Yeah, mm. the march. The, the march, I guess. The march. Like the tactical walking mm. for long hours at a time. Mm. Uh, we did that at the Hulyeonso, at the boot camp. Um, so we, because it was summer, you, you do it at different times according to the seasons. Mm. But for me in the summer... Because it's too hot during the day, you would start at night, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you would um, be arriving back to your base in the morning, and you would do like twenty, thirty kilometers with uh, the duffel bag. Yeah, with the huge bags that weigh like twenty kilos. Mm-hmm. It's a great experience that you might want to have once in your life, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Like the feet. The feet, they just go crazy. Like blisters, they become white. They smell really bad. Mm -hmm. And your legs, they just tear up. You can't sleep, even if you're tired because it hurts so much. Mm. But, like, um, the people as you're walking, they say, like, this burden is nothing compared to what your parents have, you know, had on their backs, like, raising you up. And, (laughs) like, getting that (laughs) into you, right? (laughs) But... Mm. Um, you actually learn, mm. I think. Mm. Well, I did. Mm. I learned that, yeah, you're you're weak, you're soft, but these kind of experiences they actually teach you discipline in some ways. But like, if you could choose not to do it, I mean, <laughs> who would do it? <laughs> but you do learn something. Mm. You do get something from those experiences. You always learn through struggle. That's 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 how you learn, right? That's Definitely. how anything that's worthwhile, whether it's like language or fitness or any. You, you get it through the struggle. Do a lot of people, or do, do some people not make it? Like marching through the night with 20, 30 kilos on your back and in the, it, or, or doing this training, it doesn't sound easy. Do a a lot of people, whole lot of people, they can't do it mm. um, because they have like uh, back problems, leg problems. Um, and I suspect a long time ago, back in the day, you would have to do it mandatorily. Mm. Like, and if you, can't, if you just can't walk, then they would like take you out, but nowadays they um, they 
they investigate who can do it mm-hmm. and who can't do it. Mm. And so if you just say you can't do it, then you don't do it. Um, if you you can choose not to wear that huge bag. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like uh, a lot of people that did military service back in the day, they would think of current. They would think of the current military to be, uh, you know, very soft compared to back in the day. But yeah, you can choose not to do it if you don't want to. That doesn't seem very military. It doesn't. Yeah. But I guess times are changing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the human rights exist in the military. Should they exist? It, it's weird. Like yeah, yeah. But it's changing. I'm sure it must be changing. Charlie, any any thoughts on boot camp? Uh, I was uh, also stationed at Dunzan, mm. so we probably have very similar experiences. I, I went in the winter, actually, so um, it was terrible. And uh, <laughs> I remember the march. Uh, we did it through the night as well. Mm. And um, it's like the first, like, 500 meters feels like, you know, oh, I feel like I can do this. Yeah. And then at some point, and I, I just don't think they should do this. They <laughs> 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 they tell you yeah. Um, yeah. we're halfway there, yeah. and they shouldn't say that because in my mind uh, I thought we were almost back mm. home. I mean, <laughs> not home, but you know, back back to our bar- our barracks. And then you're like, oh, should I like should I give up now? Mm. Should I should I like make up a lie? Yeah. But then it's also kind of like um, I I don't believe in you know like toxic masculinity, but it's just if you put a hundred guys together. Mm. It's always gonna be. I'm not gonna be the first one to. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah, gonna yeah. be the first one to pet that. And then, through some miracle, you you know you make it back. And the next day, maybe even for the next two days, you there's no walking properly. Mm-hmm. Some guys are crawling to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. You have blisters on your feet. Um, yeah, but uh, I thought people say you just gotta do it one time mm-hmm. at Donzan, right? That was a lie because I had to do it every. <laughs> I had to do it every month on my base, so it was, it was mandatory for us through a mountain. But if in my mind it's kind of like if I can do that, I can do this, and I think that can that kind of mentality can get you through mm-hmm. the military, no matter how easy or difficult your life is. And I, I think what you say is absolutely right. But if you put that amount of men boys together because i've been on football teams i've been in bands i've been exercising with people and it's like i'm I'm gonna beat you yeah yeah. that's the way it works with some people there's that you know there's that competition that goes what's the the beds the food anything like that well the food is ass Um, (laughs) (laughs) i remember seeing this one big social media post blow up and somebody had like one kakdugi they just had one radish in the middle of their thing i mean see so the food at Dunzan is abysmal. It's okay. it's just terrible. Mm-hmm. But you do th- you do so much, you will eat anything, right? right? So, um, and I think the worst meal I've had on on in my, during my you know one and a half years in the military is your first meal because mm-hmm. they give you wh- the Korean Army's version of MRE, and uh, it's MRE. It's like uh, it's dried food, and then you just put. Boiling rations, water into rations. it. Okay, okay, rations. Yeah, what yeah. you would eat if there was a war. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and it just, it tastes like you're, you know, chewing on pebbles. And they give you, like, this tiny cup, you know, like the smallest possible cup noodles that is available oh. on the market. Mm. And you're left starving. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everyone's, like, super tense. And they're not going to ask for more food, right? Mm-hmm. So 
everyone's kind of starving, everyone's kind of depressed, because that's at that point you have like over 500 days of service left, and so <laughs> it's probably the most depressing meal you've have you'll have in your entire <laughs> life. Um, but every base, it's the quality of food is a bit different. Yeah. Where I ultimately ended up, the yeah. food was significantly better, uh, not as good as you know, you know, food you can get out in out here, but uh, was good enough for me. I would mm. say. Yeah. Nice, nice. So I guess you you get through the boot camps then, and you get then into your different bases, different yeah. camps. You get assigned to different different things. What's that like? Because using what was the word? Dongi, not dongi. Is it? Your friends in the boot yeah. camp. Oh yeah, dongi, yeah. dongi, dongi. Okay. Uh, what's comrade? Dongu. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get these words confused. In my head, yeah? I'm like, am I saying the wrong word here? <laughs> Hello, Captain. Can I have this tattoo, please? <laughs> um, you, you, you leave your dongis and then you go to your different bases, right? Uh, different experiences. Can we start with the Navy experience, the translator? Oh yeah. You know? Um. So the thing is that. For translating soldiers, they have the so after boot camp. Did you, you have, apply to be a translator? By oh yeah, the way, yeah, right? yeah, okay. Um, and we have different professions, and translating soldiers have the shortest uh, time for their additional um, education, translating education. Mm. So our profession had had the the shortest uh, program, and therefore I was the first to of my tungis to mm. go to my base because okay. everyone else was still doing their thing. Um, and for about two weeks, I was the only um, what's kisu. I, I was the only soldier from my um, enlisting mm-hmm. day, time. Yeah. enlisting yeah, yeah, time, okay. um, on the whole base. So I was like the youngest. And for the two weeks, all all my seniors would come to me mm-hmm. and give me a pat on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like our base was pr- pretty chill. Like it wasn't. Uh, like DP at all, um, everybody took really good care of each other. Mm. But they'd all go uh, come up to me, like pat my shoulder, and be like, "Oh, you're uh, you're from Kisu 660. Like that's insane. Like good luck, man. Like for <laughs> two weeks straight." Mm-hmm. And I was just so tensed up because I didn't have like any tongis at the base. Like every three seconds on the hallway, I would I would have to like salute, s- salute to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but after like two weeks, uh, everybody else started coming in, and then then I had friends, so it was a bit better. But the two weeks, I was very, I was hyper hyper tense because mm. I knew that like I, I was at rock bottom. So yeah, it's important to like get a bestie or to get some friends around yeah, you yeah, or something yeah. like yeah, that. Definitely. I think you know, I guess. Yeah, Andy. The, yes. You have this experience. Were you tense? Were you were you looking for oh, yeah, friends? Definitely. Was it hard? Um, I had no tongis when I went to, when I got uh, when I went to my new base. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and the fact that uh, I think it's really important to have good people around you, mm. and that's more important than your actual occupation in the army because. No matter how hard your work is, mm. if you've got good people around you, good superiors, mm. good officers, then you're you're gonna make it through, one hundred percent. But however easy your whatever you do is, like if the people that are living with you in the same same uh, we call it demuban, mm. like the room, mm. if they're bad, then you're going to have the hardest time in your life because 
you're gonna have to live with these people um while working during the day and that's yeah that's really hard and so when i first went to um the korean army administrative school they had one of the best facilities they do have one of the best facilities Mm -hmm. out of all of korean army bases they have spectacular food Mm. um and a lot of officers come there to receive education and so um it's great the base itself is great Mm. but uh the people that i was stationed with they were really they didn't go along with me well Mm. um I had a lot of problems with them um, because they would, for example, like really late into the night, mm. they would ask me questions, right? And they would seek particular answers and they would spread that amongst themselves. Mm. And then they would use that as like a weakness against me. Mm. And what kind of questions answers? I, oh, like, um, hey, what do you think about this guy? Okay. And th- he would be a superior, but he would be under rank, like, lower than the guy asking the question. Mm-hmm. So he would um, he would also ask questions about, like, superiors that are working with me. And at first, like, initially, I'd be like, oh, they're all great. Because that's, that's what you have to say, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I'd be, I, I would say that they're all great, but um, in the back, like, after I would say, oh, some things that they do during work, oh, it, it kind of makes me feel, um, it kind of gives me a hard time. I would say something like that. Like, and then they would go to the guy and say, oh, the Shinbyong, yeah. the new guy, he's mm. like, he just talks shit about you. And so the guy would come up to me the next day, he'd be like, yo, can't do that. And things like that. And so they, they, there was a lot of verbal stress that I had to go through mm. like cuz you can't hit anyone right um but the people that I was stationed with at the first base they there was a lot of verbal abuse mm. as well as um I don't know if I, I I would I'm free to share my experience right so this is south korea not north korea yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do what you want there was actually a <laughs> lot of sexual harassment as well in the base and I was subject to that, um, and so what I actually kind of sexual harassment. It's like physical. It's like, oh, I darling, or physical and verbal. Right. Um, and I just couldn't stand it one day, and so um, there's this thing called one three zero three, and that's the number that you call mm. to seek help. Mm. So it's called help call. First, I talked to my um, one of the officers. I said, oh, this, these guys are giving me a hard time. They're, you know, they're contacting, they're, there's physical contact, mm. and I'm not happy about it. Mm. Um, and he said, oh, this is going to stop, right? And the first thing that they have to do mm. is separate whoever reported um, the guy and the victim. Yeah, the, the, you have to separate the two. Mm-hmm. It's protocol, but there was nothing like that. I had to live with the guy for another two, three days, and those kind of things just they endured. Mm. And oh, I can't, I can't take this anymore. So I called the one three zero three. They were super, super helpful with it. They mm. were like, "Oh, you must be having a very hard time. We'll do whatever it takes to, you know, 
help you. Mm. And right the next day, we were separated. Wow. I was exempt from work and um, uh, military prosecutors, the Susagwans mm. from Kunsa Gyeongchal, military police, they came and they investigated. Um, and I was on leave for quite a while. Um, and uh, that's why I moved to the second base, mm. the NCOA Non-Commissioned Officer Academy. Mm. And there I had a great time with the great, with the best people that I could ever meet at the mm. military. Um, and yeah, so uh, being dispatched to a base, it's really, really important mm. in, you know, because that actually determines the rest of your, what, 500 days in the military. Um, and so... Meeting new people, meeting good people, I think it's one of the most important things in the military. Mm. I think it's really cool that there, there would be this number for you to phone and that they act quickly because I, I can't imagine they had that 30, 40 years ago or something. I can't imagine did. those things, those systems would have been so efficient. I think Korea as a country as a whole is changing and the fact that they would move on those kind of uh, situations very quickly and give you that phone call mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and work on that. That's that's pretty cool, I think. It's crazy. So like, uh, when people talk about like at the at the uh, previous base, the first base that I was mm -hmm. dispatched to, the people would say, um, like when the topic of this help call thing came mm -hmm. up, they would be like, oh, only um, you call them pickup. So if if you aren't doing well in the military, mm -hmm. you'd be called a pickup. Mm -hmm. And only the pickups use mm. your sam gong sam. Mm. And they have like that image um, planted into you so mm. that they don't, you know, they don't go through any trouble if they, you know, do something to you, right? But that needs to change. Uh, if you need help and if you need it bad, then I think there's uh, there should be an opportunity for you to just really do it really use that service mm. um and whoever watches this that hasn't gone to the army there's always help so i think yeah people always should keep it keep that in mind if they're planning to be going to the army what really interests me about this story is that um last semester in one of my classes i asked one of the male students if he wanted to come up to the front and talk about the his military experience to the class and he comes and he sits down at the front and there's a class of 50 people in front of him, Korean and non-Korean, boys and girls. And then he, he, he says a very similar thing that he also received uh, sexual abuse in the military. So this is not a one-off situation. I was just sitting there thinking, man, the, the balls on this guy to sit there and say that in front of a lot of these people that he, he didn't really know that much. But he was saying that he received this similar abuse to what you, you're saying as well. So... It's, it doesn't sound isolated, mm. I guess. Maybe yeah. people's ideas, what's acceptable, what's unacceptable is changing in society. Mm. I, before we, I don't know why this has been in my mind, but it is, before we, I guess, go to Charlie. I, I'm trying to imagine Inu and you, Andy, with um, Temori or with shaved heads. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, you still got a military buzz, I think. That would still pass. Yeah. I, I can't remember your hair before. What was it like getting that? It was buzzer? very long. Yeah. But, um, this is just a whole lot more comfortable for me now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had really long hair. I'm sure you remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just prefer it this way. And um, 
it's a whole lot easier when you're working out or running yeah. to just have shorter hair. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's really, at this point in my life, a matter of convenience for me. Mm-hmm. So um, I just plan to go with it for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, mine's not by choice sometimes <laughs> as you get older. <laughs> you know, what was it like getting that buzz? Um, actually, I had it done at a, at a barbershop. Yeah. But then the guy cut it too long. Like, he, he kept it a bit long. Mm. So I had to cut it again when um, I entered boot camp. But, <laughs> like, even when cutting, uh, like, cutting all my hair, it didn't really feel that, like, realization still didn't hit me then. Mm, so yeah. I was just like, oh, it's just, it's just hair. And then I, I was pretty cool with it. But I didn't, I didn't look too good. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, but you never know until you do it, right? Everybody has a different shaped head and things like this. Right, right, yeah. Right. yeah. Um I I guess Charlie a couple of things, Charlie. One is that this five hundred days, like are people counting it down? I've heard that number a yeah. couple of times. Yeah. Like I know when I as soon as I see every Koreans but if I see some Koreans phones they have like the number of days they've been dating their partner or their kids age mm-hmm. or on like a cow profiles it's always this D dash yeah. one three is, is that something that goes on there's this calendar or counting or pretty sure every Korean uh, soldier does it because yeah. you download this app called Kundori uh, oh. and uh, <laughs> it shows you it's actually really funny because it shows you to the millisecond how much time you have left Whoa. in, in army wow. so it's like it shows you in like milliseconds and then seconds and then yeah. minutes and then hours and then days mm. and um it also shows you like your percentage and so it's i think every time uh you know you go from like 10 percent to 20 percent mm. or like 50 percent 75 percent these are really big milestones mm. and having to look forward to these small things i think is what really keeps us going but then there are times when time just stops Right. Mm. So it's like when you have 99 days left, when you're in double digits, you're <laughs> like, I could have sworn I was like 90, 98 days yesterday. Mm. But, you know, it's like time just isn't passing. Mm. But uh, it does, <laughs> you know, and even when it's like D minus five, when you have five days left, mm. you think that, you know, you'd be able to enjoy it. But it's just like like every second is kind of like torture because you just want to get out of there at that point. Mm. Yeah, Counting down uh, is a really big part of and that gamification, I guess, having it on your phone, this yeah. app, this kind of counting down must be interesting. It shows you to like the millionth <laughs> digit of the percentage. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, so like 11.0 something, 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 yeah, something yeah. percent. And then like at the end, the numbers change really quickly, right? Oh. Yeah. But then like the percentage itself is just there until. You know, don't, they also, don't they also have it in like like the number of TV shows or something. I think I saw it somewhere like on an Insta story. Like, Muhandojan, like watch Muhandojan how many times in your life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. It's like, it's like a running joke, right? So if people have, I don't know, like a uh, hundred days left, they, they'll say something like, if I watch all the Marvel movies start to finish mm. 740 times, <laughs> <laughs> then I can go home. <laughs> so, yeah. And, Thanos' chin still looks like a bull bear. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there anything else on the app? Or do you use apps? Is there like, I know my brother, my brother-in-law who is an officer, when he changes his phone, there's like apps, secret apps that he has to get 
deleted oh, and things like that. I'm just wondering for, for normal people, I'm not calling you normal, but are there are other apps that you use or is there other information on that thing? Like in the military? Do yeah. You have, so there's this app called... Um, you don't uh, have to give away national secrets. Yeah, right? I don't remember <laughs> what it's called, but you have to you have to download this app that um, that locks your camera. Okay. And you can like tap it against like this machine yeah. at like the entrance of the base uh, that unlocks it. And so it, when you're when you're going on leave or vacation, yeah. then you would like beep, and then you would leave. And when you get back into the base, you have to lock the camera again. And so this is for national security, so you can't mm-hmm. take photos on bases and stuff. It's oh, like okay. a rule. Wow, man. Because that's right, because you never see many selfies or photos from people during during the time. <laughs> of that era, and that's why, I guess, yeah. And the hair looks funny, I guess. Is, is, yeah, so. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, before we get to, like, leaving the military, is there anything else, Charlie, like your, your 500 days, any any standout moments, any, any things that were an amazing memory, a terrible experience, or something that was heartwarming or challenging uh so everyone looks forward to their first vacation right mm-hmm. their first time out i mm-hmm. think that's the most memorable uh break in your military career and you usually call it yuga, meaning you leave on your hundredth day or you're viable to apply for a leave on your hundredth day mm. um now that's just that's not like a like a solid rule that you have to follow. Some people leave slightly earlier. Mm-hmm. Some people leave later. I set my own goal because I wanted to go on one mission before I could leave. Right? Didn't feel um, like I had earned it. Also, it didn't really look good to my seniors. Mm-hmm. Like when they were all, you know, busting their balls. Like me going out for two weeks just didn't look good. So um, going on a mission is really—it's physically taxing and mentally. Uh, you know, it's very stressful because you have to plan for your mission like a, a day or two ahead of time. Mm. And you also do target practice for it. And then there's also the fact that you're basically walking through an active, uh, you know, it's like there there are so many mines in the DMZ. Mm-hmm. And if it rains, then uh, all those mines are, you know, because of the erosion. Yeah the mines get placed in different areas and you know you hear about accidents like that quite often and there's also the fact that you can see the north korean uh jeep uh, the gps the guard posts um so it's just a lot of pressure but i think my first mission ever just the fact that i was like wow this is this is the dmz Mm. um that's the mdl which is the military demarcation line and that's uh, North Korean land that's a North Korean soldier mm. like you hear so much about um, North Korea right and you, you it's always on the news actually seeing them uh, I felt kind of sad for the soldiers mm. that I was looking at our technology when it came to you know our night vision goggles or just our gear was so much more advanced than what they had mm-hmm. right and they're clearly they're malnourished they're kids Right and uh, having a very difficult time for their ten years of service. Yeah. Right. Um, so that was just uh, memorable, not necessarily in a good way or a bad way. It was just kind of surreal. And uh, can you talk about the tension up there? Because I, I I've been up there a lot. I went 
up to um, the JSA and stepped over into North Korea right. uh, recently, my brother-in-law and General Brooks. Um, but you can feel this tension like this right. isn't a computer game man this isn't a drama that's that's real these are these are guns and military installations and you know that one wrong move or one accident and things are kicking off what's that tension like up there is right so uh, but before i talk about that i just wanted yeah. to clear up one thing is um you have these dmz tours in korea right so you see pamphlets at the airport mm. that's not um that's not what the DMZ actually is. And mm -hmm. I think it's just a very uh, clever marketing tactic that they use because the DMZ sounds cool. It's like, let's yeah. check out the demilitarized zone. But um, the DMZ is actually, it's four kilometers um, uh, up and down. Mm -hmm. So from North Korean land to you know South Korean land, it's four kilometers. And yeah. then right bang in the middle is the MDL. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, firstly, it's really weird to say but it's really beautiful because it's untouched land mm -hmm. and it's um there's no sign of uh any human beings you know ever having lived there there are no buildings apart no from coffee shops yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just nature mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like uh watching jurassic park right where the <laughs> dinosaurs run free and it's like just mountains and it's like um you know, when you watch Nat Geo and you see fields of like animals running around mm. freely, that's kind of what it's like. Mm. And so there's that, and, but you can't, you know, be, uh, you know, looking at the beauty of the DMZ when you're on a mission, right? So it's a very dangerous place. Mm. But I, I do want to say that it's a very, uh, it's very crazy to go from Seoul, which is, you know, I think people say New York is the city that never sleeps. And I think that's not true. I think it's Seoul, right? Yeah. Because at 4 a.m. you can go out here and it will be busy and you can get, you know, uh, Korean barbecue 24 yeah. hours yeah. anywhere. But you go from that to a place where there's no lights, no people, nothing. Mm. Um, it is kind of surreal that, you know, that kind of place exists so close to the capital. So close. Yeah. Mm. And... Uh, Tension is definitely very real. So um, they often know about our missions. And of course, we know about them, uh, their, sur their surveillance over us. Mm. And so there are times when they're very aggressive with their tactics. So they shine a light on us sometimes when we're walking along our path. And so we're clearly being watched. And they also point their uh, a lot of their weapons towards us whenever mm. they know that it's um, whenever there are several missions going on, telling us that you know like one wrong move and we're ready to fire. Mm. So you're always on edge, mm. and that never really you never really get used to it. It's like at, at any given point you can you know die now, and um, I think that really hit me really hard when I heard a mine go off. But it was a midnight mission, and it was at 2 a.m., and we were uh, almost at the guard post. Which, if you've watched the latest season of DP, they visit the GP, right? I, I want to say the shots they got of the GP is one that actually exists. So that's I haven't seen it. GP? Yeah, it's like a guard post. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. So there are basically these points along the DMZ to mm. make sure that you have surveillance over the entire strip of the 38th parallel. Mm. And it's very accurate in the show. Mm. And uh, I heard a mine go off. And at the time, we don't know if they're shooting at us or, or anything, right? So suddenly we were 
being very quiet as we should be and then suddenly we were in a panic and we had to run mm-hmm. and uh, it's like you seldom in your life feel like oh shit I might actually die right now mm-hmm. and there were a few instances like that so tension is very real on both sides and uh, so I just want to say I'm not very I'm not uh, very patriotic towards the country I want to say but I want to say that we should really not take for granted the people who you know do this for a living and uh, mm-hmm. allow us to live in peace here mm-hmm. because a lot of them I know they're not doing it for you know just patriotic reasons but they are doing it and because they're doing it we are able to you know be sitting here like this and talk about it yeah and I think that's the price that we have to pay and so that's my that's the one message that I want to get out today in this conversation mm-hmm. so no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think I shared that George Orwell quote, which I love, that uh, people sleep peacefully in their beds because rough men stand, rough people stand ready to do violence on their behalf. And right. the thing is, people like you, Charlie, it's not even if you choose to do it. You know, there will always be rough men in society or rough people that stand ready to do that violence. But for the men in South Korea, it's not a choice. It's an obligation. Right. Does it change you? Uh, in a way, and I know this is a bit psychological, existential, but if you're actually experiencing those moments where I could die, there is this tension, you're on a mission, there's that camaraderie with uh, the people around you. Those kind of experiences, they, they sound like they would be, if not life-altering, like they, they would give you a different perspective on life when you come out, right? right. D- does it shift anything for you? It was... Uh... For me, it was actually very, I had a very like emotional experience once I was finally out because in that moment, until we were out of the gates, um, we were just on edge. Mm. And then when I was uh, finally back on base, I think I was just very uh, grateful for uh, just being alive um, and just uh, feel like I took a lot of things for granted. Mm. And it also made me realize that um, a lot of the training that we did was, if anything, very annoying because we had to do the march that uh, Andy talked about on boot camp. But we have to do that to the mountains. Mm. And it's exhausting, right? We don't want to do that. We don't want to, like, be out in, like, minus 10 degrees or, like, 30 degrees heat shooting and, like, running 10 kilometers a day when Mm. other bases don't run at all. Like, we we always complain about how difficult our lives are. But in that moment, it's like, because we did all of that, I feel as though we were prepared for whatever would have come our way. Yeah. And so um, I think just have to be grateful for whatever uh, whatever you have and whatever uh, training we went through. And if you can do that, taking subways at rush hours or things, all, all of a yeah, sudden yeah. becomes a lot easier, I yeah, think. Yeah, or a, lot easier. A, a lot more bearable. And I think we definitely do need to address whether people feel... Uh, respected or, or thanked enough for for doing their service. Maybe just before that, can we touch on like patriotism? Because Charlie, you said like you didn't have this huge patriotism. Korea always feels like a patriotic country to me, which is you know a good thing. Does it? I guess Andy or Inu as well. Does it affect how you see South Korea? Does it affect how you see North Korea? Do they instill a lot of like egusim or something like that into you or? you just go in and you're like uh, and you come out and you're the same does it change your perception of south korea north korea i have that feeling of our oh, north korea really is our enemy uh. like the, it, it was strongest during boot camp yeah 
after I got dispatched to my base, um, you know, I was just on the computer all day doing administrative work. And, like, you wouldn't be doing, like, physical, tactical missions. Mm-hmm. Unlike Charlie, <clears throat> I would just be, you know, in, in the Hingjongban, uh, like, the office room yeah. with, like, the officers that are just doing the computer. The, um, and, like... Yeah, just having like this very easy routine mm-hmm. like even in the base you just get up wash up have food and then you just go to that room and just like do administrative work all day mm-hmm. I mean it, does, it, it doesn't give you that um, sense of urgency or like oh shit the North Koreans are gonna come <laughs> any day <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, it's like Charlie's protecting you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> Rough men do their jobs. <laughs> I'm just like on the computer all day. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So I think that was strongest during boot camp. And after I after I got discharged, once like the government sent a text message saying mm. you need to evacuate oh, yeah. the f- women and the mm-hmm. children. <coughs> you need to evacuate first. I saw that after I woke up. It was, I was like, like six a.m. or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I woke up at like nine, ten, and then I saw I saw the text. <laughs> I was like, "What is going on? What is going on?" And then mom's like, uh, "She's like nonchalant. She's just yeah. They say it's uh, Oryu, Obo, mm. something like that." And uh, that's when I thought, like, dur- even during my whole five hundred forty nine days, mm. I didn't have that sense of urgency towards this. Um, stalemate between our two countries, right? Mm. But then after seeing that one message, I was mm. like, "Oh, I gotta go grab a gun, like one day." So uh, it differs from various jobs, like Charlie and I, or you know, we are what we did in the army is just so different, right? That's why and it's so, cool having you all here, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> different definitely, experiences. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, I think uh, it wasn't as strong as. Mm. You know, other guys that would actually be serving towards the 38th parallel Mm. and it's interesting because a lot of people have opinions about south korea and north korea and unification and attitudes and diplomacy towards the north and i think all of these would change if people had served or had been there Mm -hmm. or things like this i Mm -hmm. mean it, it fundamentally changes it you know any thoughts on on the patriotism does it does it change your views of North Korea, South Korea, or is it? Um, yeah, so I was a translating soldier, so I was in a very like administrative environment like Andy, and you definitely, um, or at least for me, uh, I really built this tendency to take the whole situation really li- lightly. Mm-hmm. And you rarely think about North Koreans. You, you think more about your, your days on leave, like how, how how can I get more days on leave? Like <laughs> <laughs> what's for lunch or very. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely uh, a bit anticlimactic after listening mm. to Charlie's stories. But I think, um, you know how the, there's a saying, uh, is that a thing like near DMZ or? Uh, I mean, I think it's like a, every guy feels that at some point, right? In in the army. <laughs> yeah, so the saying, um, it means that that our main enemy uh, actually isn't North Korea. It's 
it's the officers in our, our base. Superiors. And the reason we say that is because um, it might not be intentional. It might be just because of uh, different positions. But many of the times, uh, officers tend to give us a hard time either by giving us more work or um, like cutting off our days on leave. It, and it might be a bit biased uh, from our view, but that's how we uh, see it most of the times. And so we're more frustrated uh, towards our own uh, comrades, officers, mm-hmm. uh, than compared to North Korea, mm-hmm. especially if we're, uh, we have it easier. Like, it's a more leisurely base. Like, even Jinhe, when I, uh, where I was dispatched in, it's, it's, ev- uh, it's below Busan. So it's, like, very far from the 30th parallel. Um, it's not going to be the like top five places you would bomb if a war were to bro- uh, break out mm. from North Korea's perspective. So um, a war breaking out was um, the least of our worries, if, <laughs> if it even makes sense. But yeah, yeah. So most of most of uh, the whole everybody everybody was mainly about uh, getting more days on leave and mm. just you know. Annoyed with the work you had to do that kept you, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've heard stories from back in the past about men being told to dig a hole and then fill in the <laughs> hole and this kind of thing, you know. Um, shall we? I'm so, now thinking what would be North Korea's top five targets. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about leave, I think. So, right, you, Charlie was mentioning you get to 100 days. or this, What kind of leave do you get? What, what kind of leave? Do you get like a weekend? Do you get a week? Do you get to go far away do you have to stay within proximity what was your leave like um so there's chuka and webak and wetsu mm. so wetsu is where um you have a day off so mm. you can leave the base but you have to be in a certain radius to come back if there was like an urgent situation webak is where you have a day or two off mm. uh usually for the, the weekend and chuka is where you use your vacation days to you know, usually go back home and spend time with your family and friends. Mm. And I think you get Kyuga, like there's like a default number of vacations you get. And then you could get additional days by either um, taking part in certain activities or um, just missions, maybe. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure. But for us, it was mainly missions. Um, if you get uh, certain certifications, like like to, uh, getting a good score on TOEFL speaking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that was about it for us. So if you're a Hugo, when you get a vacation, like when you get to leave, how long do you get to leave for? And Up to two weeks. Th- that's not bad, right? Two weeks? Yeah, yeah. But you would need to have the days. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. okay. What did you do for your two weeks? Can you remember? You get a vacation. What, what do you do on your first vacation when you first leave? Um, is it just like go, I'm just trying to everybody would be different but like do you just go home back to your bed and just crash or do you just go out and get smashed and go and party or, or what, what goes on when you get crash leave? then get smashed <laughs> like like yeah in the evening so the thing was um, it's like a four and a half to five hour trip so ten hours back and forth yeah. between Seoul and Chine yeah. which meant that um, like if I had two days off I would only be able to spend one in Seoul. Mm. But, yeah. So your crash smash time is reduced. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> but even like, 
the time on the bus or the train, like, it was significantly better than being in base. Mm-hmm. But then when returning to base, mm-hmm. you, you, you always take a bus or a train. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could see, like, a couple of soldiers that are also uh, going back to base. Mm-hmm. And they all look hella depressed. It's, <laughs> it's very sad. So. Can you sense it? You look around, you're like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you have your mobile phone on you the whole time, or do you put it in, or how? What's mobile phone usage like? What was that like for you in the base? Yeah, just for that whole five hundred day thing. Did you always have it? Did you have to check it? Do you get to use it at nighttime? So uh, we went to the office at around eight eight thirty in the morning. Yeah, and then we get off about uh, five p.m. Have dinner at six, and then from six to about nine nine thirty. For me, was it eight thirty? Or, or yeah, so we would have like two or three hours on the phone mm. and then during the weekends we would have uh have the whole day and then there would be this cabinet mm. on the first floor mm. um where you keep your phones and some of the soldiers used to have uh two phones or three so they would uh put their decoy phones in the cabinet yeah. and then <laughs> use their actual phone like throughout the night or something but that's pretty brave yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you would if you get caught you would get your vacation days revoked. Ooh, so, that's like, going to suck. Yeah. You'll call it Hyugaga uh. Jalida. It's cut. <laughs> yeah. And that would be like one of the worst <laughs> that feelings. Sentence. Worst <laughs> things that you would have to go through. Did you ever get in trouble? No, never. You seem like a good boy. Never. I, was, <laughs> I was a good little boy. Just following the rules. Saying, <laughs> like that. To like my superiors. Yeah, I was a good boy. Yeah. Did you ever get in trouble there, Inu? With phones? Well, just in general, I'm just trying to get a sense of like, because at university, it's hard to get in trouble these days. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Society is pretty free and easy. I'm just wondering, are there any like, you step across lines or? Well, uh, this one day off uh, off base, so for a wet shoe, yeah. like a single day yeah. uh, going outside, uh, me and my tungis decided to drink. But then if you drink really light, it does you can't really tell and it's mm. it wouldn't be much of a problem. But... Uh, we got into this competition, like a chicken game, where we would keep on drinking <laughs> until one person kind of chickens out, right? So till till that point, like we, we would doing soju shots. we'd go on and on and on. And that particular day, like we drank quite a bit, like definitely too much. Yeah. Everybody's face was red. And so uh, when the whole day's over and the people from Witcher come back to, to mm. base, mm-hmm. we would all line up on the, the first floor. And then uh, the officer would just go through the basic checkup, like, oh, was, did you do okay? Like, you were do? there any problems? And the five of us were all standing in one line, and all of us were, like, very, very uh, flustered. <laughs> and I think <laughs> three of nice us got caught. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, three of us got caught, including me. Yeah. Um, but at that point, I was... Uh, like my jump was oh. to a point, like so. I was I was pretty high ranking, mm. and I was you know pretty uh, close to the officer, so he let us go. But it was a very, it was a very funny moment. Mm. There must be such a desire though to when you get out to 
get back to society or to drink or to do these things to, to to experience those kind of things you've also talked about those areas around the bases and i know because i i've been around the bases and you get the the little places around with the px's and the places selling all the army mm -hmm. stuff and that what what was it like around Jinhe or you've spoken about these locations right oh yeah um so they're called wisu jiok wisu districts yeah and they're basically uh outlined by a boundary where the soldier would be able to come back to base on time mm. if a situation were to come up. And uh, like s something years ago, we would have uh, very bad means of transportation, especially around bases that were in rural, rural areas. Yeah. So the boundaries would be very, uh, the area itself would be pretty small, mm. meaning that the shop owners or the business owners there would have the monopoly because soldiers didn't have anywhere else to go so they rack up the prices mm -hmm. that used to be a really big thing i don't i think it's gotten really better um like the last three four years especially after covid mm -hmm. um and i've actually done some re uh, research for a presentation uh, for your class but um phone usage and covid has led to many of these uh businesses dying out because mm -hmm. after using uh phones people have uh People don't have to come to Myeonghwe, mean like to come to visit the soldiers mm -hmm. and see them in person. They could just mm -hmm. FaceTime them or you know call them. Um, and also COVID because soldiers weren't to come out of uh, weren't allowed to come out of the base, mm -hmm. and that also had a neg negative impact. So, I think most, or I've heard that most Wisujioks are gone, mm -hmm. but even in Chinhe, you could really tell that um, certain PC bangs or or motels. They have really bad um, service and just bad computers or stuff in general. The quality of the service would be pretty bad, but then the prices would like be significantly higher. You can kind of tell, but like, what can you do? Yeah. So, yeah. Because you're stuck in that area right, and they, right. they have that monopoly. It's where those jamboree guys were getting their <laughs> ideas from, perhaps. Like they, they were probably doing that. I, I think we need to do this walking out of the military. That when that 500 days, when that app goes down to, wow. to what? Is there anything we've missed about like before people get out of the military? It's great. That day. Yeah. Tell us about that day for you, Andy. What was? Um. Well, first off, like, um, the day before you get out, right? <laughs> At night. You look so excited right I now. Was, <laughs> just thinking about it excites me. Yeah, yeah. Like. Um, so your your top rank out of like the Pyongsas, the soldiers. Yeah, um, must be. And so they're all like under you. They're like, oh, you think you're going to need to question me, God? So and they're like, they're just trying to, you know, we're all giving each other a good time. And uh, what we did was we took uh, a picture mm. with each. Um, what do you call it? Like each group mm -hmm. so there would be like the uh Hingjongbyongs, the administrative working guys mm. there would be the kunakbyongs the band the band there would be the kyongbisode that would you know protect our base and um i was because i was in the uh uh mm -hmm. the office like i knew nearly everyone from our um base mm. um and so they would say let's take a picture together mm. and that's like the culture before you get uh um before you get discharged and 
So we would just get in the auditorium and, you know, uh, the the officer that's working the night shift, Yeah. Uh, if he or she is a chill person, they, they would just give you the her his or her phone mm. to take the picture with. Mm. And yeah, just taking the picture itself is just great. I right. bet you had a huge smile on your face. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was one of the, I was, I was the happiest, happiest day of one of the happiest days of my life. Yeah. Um, and they like the um, my huims, my the, the guys they mm. did the hingare for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've never received that before, so it was it was a privilege. Um, and the day after, we took a lot of pictures too. Like they um, escorted me out of the base couple of guys that was that were really close to me yeah um they came out and we took more pictures we took in front of we took pictures in front of like the helicopter the tank mm. great experience mm. yeah. you keep in touch with any of those guys oh yeah definitely it? okay we do um there was this guy um he used to live in the states as well and so um he was one of the guys that really went along with me mm. yeah um because he had a really international background as well yeah, we do keep in touch. We drink sometimes. Um, I even one of my um, we call it aldongi mm. egg tongi. Mm. So we came out from the same egg. These guys <laughs> were from uh, <laughs> like the tongis from boot camp. So we don't do the majority of our uh, military life with these guys with yeah. the aldongis. Mm. But um, uh, one of the guys, he's actually in Hanyang. Okay. In the engineering department. Wow. And so uh, after school, we would you know call each other up because he um, he's a Daegu guy, mm. but he lives in Wangshimni, and so mm. I would just be like, "Hey, yo, what you doing? Let's get a drink." And we just drink. Um, and so, yeah, you would make great acquaintances, mm. um, and yeah, the days that you're getting discharged, one of the best, <laughs> best days you could ever experience. And you get some egg friends. Yeah, <laughs> egg friends. <laughs> Did you guys have like chonyokbang? Oh, um, no? they used to, they used to, but like, um, it's, it's. Do you know bread? Chanyeok you know? yeah. So do you know what Sengirbang is? Birthday bread? Birthday. Yeah. So Chanyeokbang, yeah. uh, you get hit if you're getting discharged. Yeah. Um, and so like, we didn't have it because it's considered like assault. Yeah. You would actually get investigated for it if you get caught mm. but you know how I told you I transferred bases mm. in the previous base mm. uh, I got to that base and one week later the Chegocham, the highest ranking guy the mm. sergeant mm. in our in our room he was same age as me but he was getting discharged a week later right mm. so one week into my base life, mm. I um, I got to experience this chonyokbang, and I was allowed to hit the guy first, <laughs> and there was no way I could, right? So I was like, "Oh, show." <laughs> but then the other guys, they would just like beat the shit out of him, like, yeah. and like his arms, <laughs> they were like blue, and he was like crying. Mm. So I was like, "Yo." Do you have to do this? And um, eventually, there was a problem with it. Um, some guys, they beat the guy too hard. Mm. 
and like the parents knew about it <laughs> because of like the bruises and stuff mm-hmm. and so I don't know if they still do it in the old base but mm-hmm. in the new base um it's not a thing that you can do. No, they beat the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Easy way, hard way. <laughs> yeah, rough man, rough man. But it's like you're you're you have a smile on your face because you know, in like twelve hours you're getting out of this. Yeah. yeah, you'll just be like under a pillow, and they're like like ten guys like yeah. stomping on you, and you're just like, it's okay. I'll it be hurts out of more here. for them. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're invincible at that yeah. point. <laughs> Was it hard to come out? Do you miss it? Do you, do you want to go back in? Was it hard to adjust, I guess? Because you, I think you would be in a very routine situation and routines are brilliant, I think, sometimes yeah. for people. And all of a sudden you come out, was was it, no, you're straight back into society or was there an adjustment period? Or The, the thing is, um, towards the end of your military <coughs> career, you try to use all your breaks up. Mm. So um, I was going on breaks because I, I had saved up. <coughs> For like my last few months, I saw him on your Insta story. You were always out, like right, right, right. doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. So by that point, like because I'm going back and forth so often, I'm already kind of uh, used to being out. Mm. But the day of D-Day is still very surreal, because um, you know, for the first time, it's just a one-way ticket back home. Mm-hmm. You don't have to come back, mm-hmm. and um, it's also kind of like, well, like shit. What do I do with you know? all this you know useless knowledge that i have now because you spend <laughs> you spend so much time studying for stuff yeah. and uh you practice your um your aim so much you shoot so much and then now mm. I, I have you know haven't even seen a gun uh so yeah and it takes a while to get used to it but but it's a good feeling because mm. you you realize that uh you're just a regular citizen like everyone else because um it's uh, in my opinion i feel like the military is kind of like a cult mm-hmm. what they do really well is indoctrinate you into this military cult so if you watch documentaries about cults you always have like a very charismatic leader and for us that's our captain mm-hmm. or the battalion uh commander or whoever the highest uh you know officer is and then you have this idea that you're one big uh family or mm-hmm. that your brothers mm-hmm. and that if you are working together and you should you know be ready to die for the guy next to you because he will for you too and so you have this like sense of family which mm-hmm. i think is absolutely fantastic because well uh never again am i going to be in a group with like nine other guys who all of us have such different backgrounds i mean for them especially i think there were two guys like me so there was me and my friend who was from new york mm-hmm. For them, it, like they had never met a Korean, you know, who was a Kyopo or had lived abroad, and we were also interested in like in each other's lives, mm. and because we're not allowed to have our phone, for the first time in so long, we were just having a conversation at like, you know, just the ten of us, right? No phones, mm. and um, you know, there's no TV, no internet, just you know, people talking, and that's really, really great because it just doesn't happen anymore. Mm. So it's a good thing. It's one of the things I miss most about the army. I would say. Another thing that they do with cults is they have uh, catchphrases or motifs or expressions right, right, right. that yeah. will uh, bring you in part of the in-group. You, yeah. know, you know those words, you know those phrases, I guess. Um, Each base has one. Like You have your own motto. Yeah. Okay, what was yours? It's, so you have like a really long chant that we do in the morning. Yeah. So like roughly translated, it's like, 
we're 무적 태풍 부대. So we're Taeyong is like typhoon. Yeah. And so that's the mark of the 28th infantry. Mm-hmm. And it's like there there are no enemies for us that are good enough to like you know yeah. uh, even stand a chance against us. So it's like whatever we do before mm-hmm. we do any training or before we run, we're like we're a bit full of ourselves, I think. But we're like. Um, you know, North Koreans could come here at any point, mm. but they're not going back. And, mm. you know, things like that, very patriotic bullshit. But <laughs> I think you have to have that attitude. Because right? yeah. if you're like, well, I'm not really sure if we yeah. can do it, but we're the 28th, right? Yeah. We'll give it a go. But that's not what you want from the army, though, is it? You, yeah. you need those kind of... Um, while we're here, let's talk about the the thanks or the respect or the idea in society because over the last uh, couple of years maybe a bit more I, I've seen Korean men like get dragged on social media yeah. a lot they, they get a lot of uh, abuse and things like this uh, and words but I'm not American but you know in the States or in in the UK that there, there is a respect for those that serve uh, and those that do their duty towards the nation it's different because it's not military conscription there a lot of people are choosing rather than doing it uh, and earlier charlie you said that it's it's important that people recognize that men are doing this not always willingly and all the experiences are different like it's fascinating listen to this because it's also different and also the different characters and people that are asked to do it what needs Tell me about that. Tell me about the thanks or tell me about the respect or tell me about the appreciation or the, the lack of it that's going on. What, what is that? So Andy's lived in the States, I think, a bit, right? So when you see a soldier, I think it's just customary to say thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. Right? And you're very, I think the difference is because for them, it's uh, they do it voluntarily. And for us as a Korean male, it's difficult to look at another Korean soldier and feel grateful when the first feeling you have, if you haven't been to the army yet, is shit, that's gonna be me. <laughs> if you have been to the army, it's kind of like, like <sighs> look, at, look at him, you know, yeah. like, I've been, I've done that too, it's not that tough. Mm. And so it becomes this like, it, it becomes very toxic in my opinion, mm. because just because we've done it, we're incapable of feeling grateful for other people who are making the same sacrifice that we did mm. when uh, we were also miserable. But we didn't receive any gratitude from society, so we don't feel the need to return that. But I think, I, I just think it's a bit ridiculous, right? And I think they also have a, a similar attitude towards police officers, maybe maybe not to the same extent. Mm. But I think at the end of the day, we have to recognize the fact that this is not easy, right? And there are some places, okay, there are some places where you have to run a lot and there are some places where you don't run at all and some places where you're going on missions and there's some places where people say it's quote-unquote easy. Mm. But it's whatever you're going through at that time, that's the biggest issue in the world for that person in, in your life, right? They can't feel other people's pain. So well, whatever Andy or Inu was feeling whenever they were serving, right? Mm. There were times when they were like, shit, time isn't passing. I'm never going to get out of here. Mm. We all feel that. It doesn't matter what we're going through. It's difficult for all of us. And um, we, if, we, we feel as though like, oh, like, what am I really doing here? Like, if I wasn't here, the army wouldn't crumble, right? Mm. But, you know, all of us together, we still make up one, you know, uh, one military that can... And, you know, successfully does keep North Korea from, you know, 
invading us. So mm -hmm. I think we should be grateful. But it's difficult to do that when I think what you know said this a while back, but he said our greatest enemy isn't North Korea, but it's the offices within, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the whole point of DP is that it's a it's a whole series about the Korean military. Mm. And it's all the bad guys, all the villains aren't North Koreans. They're not Japanese. They're, it's within the system, right? So there needs to be change within the system for us to be able to notice a change, you know, outside and for people to start appreciating mm. uh, the sacrifices that men make in this country. It's amazingly uh, mature and profound that you're able to recognize that we all only have one fragmented view of life or the universe or the military, but we can't have anybody else's view. And, and irrespective of what somebody's doing, we're all still going through our own stuff and yeah. our own shit. And you've spoken about the tension and our, or the sexual abuse or how hard it is. It doesn't matter if you're running the DMZ or if you're running a computer code. <laughs> you're still away from your family and you're right. doing something that you wouldn't want to do otherwise, I think. Is there anything else, Andy, or you know, on this idea of respect or thanks or <clears throat> what Charlie's getting at? You go first. Um, actually, my first leave from the military, my first huga, my shinbyung wiro huga, that's what they call it. So if you're like a newbie, um, you get. I got like seven days off, um, and I actually surprised my parents. I didn't tell them that I was getting out. I just visited my dad's office, and uh, he was really happy to see me. We went to the um, we went to like this pikbanjip, mm. this Korean food, um, a restaurant, and I was in my uniform. It was, uh, and we were just eating, and uh, an old older lady mm. from the table, like all the way over there. Mm she actually paid for our food. Oh, wow. And that wasn't the only time that that's happened. Every time I came out in my uniform, I, when I was eating food with um, with whoever, um, like the older people, they mm -hmm. would actually pay for our food. And mm -hmm. that's happened quite a while, quite many times. Um, and that's really nice, man. Yeah, very nice, very mm. nice. And well, maybe this is why I do this. Maybe there actually are people there, and there actually are people that really thank us for what we do. Mm. Um, they don't take it for granted. And so, yeah, like thanks-wise to like the people that are serving in the military. Um, if I see someone that's you know, I guess having food alone. I would definitely want to pay for that guy's food. Mm. But I've never actually seen a guy having food alone in his uniform yet <laughs> <laughs> after I got discharged. <laughs> so um, I'm actually waiting for that chance. Yeah. Uh, I think he'll be pretty happy. Because <laughs> I definitely was. <laughs> like if a random guy came up to you that, uh, yeah. I paid for you. I paid for your meal, man. <laughs> there might be some people sitting listening to this and go, let's go out and let's go sit in restaurants and wait till, wait till Andy walks in. But I think with that, which is which is beautiful, it's not the amount of money because it, it could be like man won at a gimbot tongue or something, yeah. or, or it could be autumn. It, it's not about this uh, big financial gesture, is it? It's just about that recognition. It's just about that little thanks. The, there's m so much more than money, isn't it? Yeah, like 
I think people that think that way are generally the older mm. population. Um, like if I'm just getting on the bus in my uniform, like the harmonies, they'd be like, mm. 아이고 젊은데, <laughs> 아이고 고생이 많아요. <laughs> like they would do yeah. that. Yeah. Very uh, sweet. Yeah, these these little things they just you know brighten your day, mm. even weeks at a time. It's like you think of that. One of the things, one of the reasons why I do this. Grandmothers like you in your white uniform, Inu. Did you get respect and thanks? I, I, I think I look pretty dorky. <laughs> 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 Have you ever seen like a like a full on like sailor suit type thing? What just in general? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we of course. We have our right. white hats. And okay, okay. Yeah, I think. I think I've seen a photo of you. It might have been in your presentation, but I think I, you put one oh, yeah, of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but just to add on what Charlie said, I think there definitely is a culture of, especially uh, men who've served mm. themselves, they also tend to belittle uh, the ones that are serving or the ones that are to serve. And since uh, I think uh, since uh, they've all been through that experience, they're the ones who should be empathizing with them. But in Korea, it's always like, Oh, like now you're sorry. You're so fucked. Like this, <laughs> this very discouraging kind of message. Definitely. And I think a good place to start is for for men to start respecting the soldiers, um, and create this atmosphere where uh, people can show their gratitude. And then maybe because for for women or or other people, it might kind of be hard for them uh, not knowing what going to the military is like. So mm-hmm. once we start this. Um, I don't know this movement of recognition ourselves then and start respecting each other then um it might become more common hopefully but yeah I think it's a very toxic kind of atmosphere right now so yeah there is always that idea that I I I don't think it's just here or not just with the military but like well I suffered so now you have to suffer as well like I went through that and in my day it was even harder so you have to go through it as well Mm -hmm. we have to pass on that intergenerational you know trauma or experiences to each other and it it takes a certain character to stop that or it takes a certain character to say to the next generation no you can do it this way or you can do it that way it's very it's very mature to find that the change has to start within rather than without do you know what I mean? It's very easy to blame other people or, or to do this and with society or it's these people. But to say, no, actually, it needs to come from within. or That's 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 something that's really nice to hear. Um, you just mentioned it. So shall we segue and see if we can get Andy canceled by talking about women in the military? <laughs> <laughs> what I will say about this is spending a lot of time uh, in Wonpong, which is actually above the 38th, but still in South Korea. It's a real kind of military place. That's where my kids are, right? Um, I see lots of female soldiers. Now, they're there uh, not because they have to be. This is not conscription, but surprise me. Like, wow, there's, there's, there's quite a few there. Um, I guess one of the big stories, it's not a story, but this only applies to half the population. And what I get from this is that I look at my two kids, Edward and Elizabeth, and... Edward, they both have British and Korean passports and Mm -hmm. Edward will have to make the decision when he gets there. Do I keep this Korean passport? Do I do my military service or do I give it up and become a foreigner in my own country? And Elizabeth, 
she doesn't have that decision. And the stupid thing is that Elizabeth would probably make a better soldier. But it doesn't work, and it's it's still based on gender lines, right? And we know that some countries, Scandinavia, Sweden, that they've done dual conscription. Uh, Israel has it. North Korea has it. Right? They they have it. How do we approach this conversation? Like I know it's like a, a minefield, but Andy, yes, <laughs> women in the military. Oh, they're great. <laughs> they're great. <laughs> they really are. Cause uh, you think there should be more of them? Um. Yeah. Sure. I mean, like, <clears throat> I served in the uh, non-commissioned officer academy. Mm. That's where they raise um, pusaguans. So like. I don't. I don't know the ranks and staff sergeants. Yeah, mm-hmm. staff sergeant. Def- thank you. Um, and you can do the translations. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of women mm. that enlist. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, they're really, yeah, their physique is is crazy, but they're all vol- voluntary, right? Mm. Um, and. I'm really careful in saying this, but I don't know if I don't know what'll happen if uh, if dual conscription becomes a thing in South Korea for like any positions equivalent to both men and and female. Mm. Um, I don't know what to expect to be honest. And so, like, but I do think that there are um, jobs that that women can excel at compared to men like um this might sound sexist but there are definitely occupations that you know females are much or and will be much better at than me as a male mm-hmm. and so that's why i do think that um there should be positions that women can you know apply for and do you know service for <laughs> i don't know an extended period of time uh, just like men but that's very different from saying they can apply and that they should do it because you guys didn't apply to do military like oh, this they is, should here here comes no, the like, letter they <laughs> should have to they should have to be able they should have they should be mandated to apply for certain positions yeah uh that would be recognized as service in the military yeah and they should be able to volunteer with uh, as the exact same positions as men, mm. yeah, no regulations or things. That's just exact. That's just what I think. Um, yeah. Do you want to touch this topic, Charlie? I know it's very explosive. You don't feel yeah. any pressure. I feel as though you can approach it in like, like realistically in two different, like several different ways. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna explore two. There's the most obvious one is. Um, like the question of whether it's fair that men have to serve and uh, women don't when in the law, like it's stated that men and women will be treated equally and fairly mm-hmm. uh, by the government. That's simply not the case when, you know, men have to go and women don't. Mm-hmm. But um, I think another way to look at it is I think it's a question of efficiency. When you are on base, I feel like you know, and Andy's probably seen some people who just don't want to be there. Mm. And there's a di- 
I mean, realistically, who 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 really wants to be there? You know, they'd rather be at a pishibang or with their girlfriends or their friends. Mm. None of us want to be there, but it's like, if you're there, you may as well make the most of it and try to do a good job. Or there are people who are like, I shouldn't be here, and they're gonna pay me the same anyway. Mm. So why should I be doing this, right? Mm. And so, I feel like the latter is um, there are more people like that, mm. and that's a huge waste of money, right? But I feel like if we can slowly transition into an army where it's more um, less conscription and more uh, people volunteering themselves, mm. then we can very easily build a very efficient and capable army, um, capable military system. So we're 50 million people. That's more than Canada, mm. right? And a very, very small uh, piece of land, right? compared to most other nations. Mm -hmm. That works, I think, in our advantage, at least in terms of the military, just being you know, in proximity with other bases. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, how do you get more people to enlist voluntarily? Right now, the pay for a sergeant is close to 1 million won, which is like $900 USD. So that's significantly better than what Inu and Andy probably got paid because it's a very- That's a month? Is yeah. It? yeah. Uh, so this was a recent spike in the pay. Right. Mm -hmm. So now 10 people, 10 sergeants um, on a base will get paid close to $10,000 mm -hmm. uh, a month. And now there are so there are millions of men in the army. Right. So that's several hundred millions of dollars being spent on a lot of people who probably don't want to do their jobs properly or efficiently. If you reduce the numbers of um, inefficient lazy people who don't want to be there mm. and replace them with people who are voluntarily there to you know do a good job because it's their livelihood and pay them good money for it like the states mm. um i feel as though we'll have maybe there will be a disparity in the you know men and women even at that point mm. but at that point it won't be a question of what's fair or not we will have people who are you know proud of their jobs or at least doing it because they have to because it's their livelihood mm. and significantly less money will be wasted on you know uh, men who have been forced to be in the army mm. and don't want to do their jobs properly so if we can transition into that you know over the next few decades and it's not like we're here alone we always have the help of the states here with us we have you know even near my base we had uh we had um several garrisons mm -hmm. we have one in yongsan mm -hmm. we have one you know all over the country and um yeah uh that's just my opinion on what we can do in the long run to um, tackle this issue of men being forced and also building a more capable military. I'm sold. <laughs> Rather than getting everybody to do it, build an elite force of capable yeah. people, irrespective of their gender, that, that can and will do it. And it's already shown that women will join the military because they are there already there are there are numbers of them and and just get it down to the people that can and will and and do do it makes sense in it yeah. does, does charlie have your vote oh yeah definitely <laughs> oh no i don't <laughs> i think women are less likely to start wars in my opinion mm -hmm. um i think wait till you get married <laughs> 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 no, so, no, go on, go on, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think 
uh, we we studied this in university. So I think the question is, are women less likely to start war simply because there haven't been that many women in positions of power, mm. or is it because you know they're not you know men and th- men can often be you know very impulsive and. Mm. Um, what was it yesterday that we had a military drill at two two? Yeah, three, right. Nationwide. Yeah. Mm. It was so a Wednesday, sorry, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. When when that happens, I feel like our current president is taking a very aggressive approach towards, um, you know, dealing with North Korea. But when you know North Korea, when you provoke them, mm. they're gonna fight back, right? Mm. Um, so I feel like we need more level-headed people and. Maybe we could notice some of that if we have a more, uh, you know, balanced military in terms of gender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be a very uh, uh, confrontational approach. And, but that's the thing what I find in Korea. It's either you've got one side, the left, and they're like, we'll bend over backwards and we'll give you everything <laughs> you want if you just come and take some photos with us. And then you've got the other side, the right. It's like, man, we're going to get you. And it's just like, there's got to be a middle way here somewhere, man. There's, there's got to be something. And But I, I, I'm still stuck on the idea, which I think is really good, that it's about maybe removing conscription. Is that possible? Because I don't think any politician will ever get elected on the basis of that I'm going to make men and women serve equally. I don't think anyone's going to win on that ticket. Is it is it uh, possible to remove conscription? Because I think anybody that tries to do that, there's going to be screams of communist and yeah. things like this, isn't there? That's It's hard. Yeah. Nah. I, I can't see that as a reality in any near nor distant future. I don't mm. think that's... It's even if the peninsula becomes unified, I don't think conscription can be, you know, conscription is always going to be mandatory. I think. Mm. It's it's something, isn't it? Because it's just where you're born and who you are, and you know, you can be with people from the United States or Canada or other parts of the world and because you were born there then that's your duty and that's your that's your conscription and everybody else will have completely different experiences it's it, it makes the identity it makes Korea what it is absolutely uh, so I, I think wow amazing we've solved we've solved the idea of whether women should serve um, k-pop members this is this is an interesting one for me or Sonung Min or people like this? Is this democracy? Is this equality? Because, Charlie, you're mentioning the law and you say, you know, the, the Constitution says men and women should be served equally. And if I break the speed limit or you break the speed limit or Lee jong breaks the speed limit, it doesn't matter if we're famous or not. The law's the law, right? Yeah. Do, 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 do you have a take on this with, with power and influence? I, I noticed the current president didn't do his service, <laughs> right? But what's your take on... My niece is so angry because Monster X is serving. I mean, like personally, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind at all if if BTS doesn't go or Sonung Min doesn't go. And it makes sense that uh, they would uh, make so much better use of their time if they didn't go, uh, if they didn't serve. But if you look at it from like uh, like the whole nation's perspective, I think that kind of... Like every time you give them the option of going or not going, 
uh, it makes it look the duty as if it's a chore, like mm-hmm. a replaceable chore, mm-hmm. and it kind of takes away the sanctity of the whole your duty as a citizen. And it works uh, also for for women because they're also citizens. So as a rule, as like I don't know, or as of now, it's uh, conscription for a woman is definitely not efficient or realistically possible. But I think um, for both women and BTS, Montex, um, the ultimate goal should be that uh, like it becomes a very strict duty, um, just for the sake of the people guarding uh, the nation, and because we're all citizens. Mm. But as of now, like if Sonungmin didn't serve, like I wouldn't be angry or I wouldn't have any any problems. So yeah. he got that Asian Asian Games gold medal. Yeah. So he doesn't have to. <laughs> I mean, that, is, by law, he doesn't have to, um, which is very a beautiful decision. But very thankful to that. Yeah. Andy, your take on celebrities? Um, I actually had a very unique experience. Yeah. Um, I was able to play basketball with one of the members of EXO, Chanyar. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard of him, but um, is he any good? Yeah, he's really tall. <laughs> you look super you sound like jealous, a fanboy. He's really tall. <laughs> he's just super awesome. good looking. Yeah. Everyone on the on the on the base there was just like, <laughs> like a celebrity, like eating in our in our shikdang. Yeah, like, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. And um, how good looking is he with his with his head buzzed and things? Oh, like that? he was. He was. But they all had their hair. Their their hairs were long. Okay. They were working as like uh, musical mm. military musical singers, mm-hmm. and they were you know they were actually doing concerts all over the the country, and for for other army people or for, for army people as well as I don't know civilian. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I have no clue. Um. But they were actually using their talent mm. in their military service, and I actually thought very highly of that, and I actually got to talk with. How long have you have you um, left in your service? And he said, "He's at that time it was like five, six months, I think." Mm-hmm. Um, I was just jealous. <laughs> that's when I was like, uh, I was a newbie, yeah, and I had a really long time left. But it was a great experience, and um, I think celebrities can use their talent um, to their full extent, even in the military, just like China. Mm. He's a very good example of, of a celebrity going. Mm. And Park Hyo-jin as well. Park Hyo-jin, Changmo, all these people. They're they're actually revered in a way by like the people that have done their military service. Mm. Um, they have a lot of money. They probably have their ways out, probably. Mm. But you know, just having the audacity to just do what everyone else does, mm. fulfill their obligations. I think. It makes people that are that have been to the military view very highly of them. Mm. Yeah. And it blows my you, you're absolutely right. And it blows my mind what Korea is achieving with all this going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so easy to look at all Korea's success and what it does and all the things that it does right. And amidst all of this, amidst all of the the cultural phenomenons, the, the, the modernization, it's dealing with this issue of the men being required to do this and men are still choosing to do it. Uh, it, it's, it's, it really needs to be, I think, applauded that Korea is getting through this. Uh. 
Um, I, is there anything we're missing? Because like I know these two questions feel like my questions that I did, like should women serve or should K-pop members serve? Is there anything that people that haven't served don't get? Or is there anything that we've done, we, we, we haven't said thus far? It's like, yeah, but if you serve in the minute, there's this, or you need to talk about this. Is there anything we're missing? Um, I feel like we've been delving into some very uh, serious topics. So yeah. I'll just, I think it's something that we can all relate to. Mm-hmm. So we have um, a punishment system in the, in the army. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got into like a lot of trouble <laughs> all the time. But um, wh- what you do is you get your duffel bag. Yeah. And it's called olcharyo. So no. you have to, you're, you're like on all fours. Mm-hmm. And then they're just going to be yelling at you. And then you have to like... Um, Whatever they say, you have to repeat back really loudly. Mm. And then, like, you'll have this huge duffel bag that you march with and your helmet on Mm. and your gun, and then you just have to run, Mm. um, at least on my base. But my base, it was so much more tough because anytime I could get caught doing something wrong, I did. So, um, but I I had a really good relationship with my captain. What kind of wrong stuff were you doing? You're allowed to give us some insight? Yeah, so... Andy previously said if you get caught, then you get your brakes cut, right? Yeah. But my captain really respected all of us. So he didn't cut our brakes, but he said, I'll give you something worse. And that was the punishment. So we got caught drinking mm. and we had smuggled the alcohol in. So <laughs> we brought the alcohol in and then we got caught drinking throughout the night because we started drinking at 10 mm. p.m. And then we got caught at 8.30 a.m. Jesus. And then <laughs> so good drinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so we were sleeping and mm. the, the captain stormed in on a Saturday because it was his day off. Mm. So he had come all the way back to the base to see me and my my friend. Um, and he woke us up. He said, I'm going to give you 15 minutes. Mm. Uh, get your gear, um, put your get your duffel bag, your gun, your boots and your helmet and meet me outside. And it was raining. Oh. It wasn't like a drizzle. It was like raining like you can't breathe because it's like unless you like wipe it away from yeah. your face and you're hungover I guess crazy hungover <laughs> crazy hungover and then he said okay we're gonna start running but not before and then he like he had his hands behind his back and yeah. he brought out the last two cans of beer that we didn't drink and he made us one shot them both <laughs> <laughs> what? that so, probably helped actually that was probably quite clever of him but on 15 hours of sleep after like 8 <laughs> like you know 8 hours yeah. of drinking 10 yeah. hours of drinking yeah. So our track, it was like a track, just like a regular track where we just run. And so I, I made it like 50 meters and then I started throwing up. And then my friend made it like maybe 10 meters more and then he started throwing up. <laughs> and then by the end, we were crawling. Yeah. And like um, he made us do all sorts of stuff. He was like, <laughs> crawl from here. He's like, do you see that light post all the way over there? Yeah. Like crawl on all fours, yeah. touch that light post and come back. Yeah. And whoever comes second, uh, we'll do it again. <laughs> so, That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. <coughs> and the the it's the mud is like mush. It's like quicksand, right? Like every, <sighs> like our hand is like it was like going like you know up until my elbow. Yeah. We're pulling it out. I think it took us like twenty minutes to go there and come back. And then we were like, did you touch it first or second? So <laughs> we were we were like ten meters away, and I was like, listen, like let's just get in there at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> like let's just time it. Yeah. And then so. But the captain caught on. He was like, oh, you're trying to be smart. Now <laughs> all, both of you got <laughs> Your friend must have hated you. Yeah. 
So that was uh that was three and a half hours, and then by the end, yeah. like um, we went straight to the showers, and then we just like looked at each other, and we just started laughing because there's mm. like nothing else. And we actually met our captain last month after we both got discharged, and then we all laughed about it, and it's like a really good memory now, not at the time, but mm. so yeah. Punishments are um, very common in the army, mm. but looking back, they can be funny. Funny and is there a sense of character building? Is there a sense of like, you know, all clubs and organizations have uh, hazing and initiation mm -hmm. rituals and things like this? I know, I, I know there can be this limit and in, into when they go to into abuse or something like that. But is there something in it that you respect, Charlie? Is there something that makes you think, "What well, that was ridiculous. It's unfair. It's bullshit." But now I can laugh about it. I think the way we saw it was. Um like, this is the price we have to pay to do shit like this. Mm. Uh, Inu mentioned that your phones, he, he had them in cabinets, right? Mm. And that uh, people had two phones and three phones. So I had two phones and I got caught with that. And so <laughs> did, uh, I, I had to do a month of kitchen, uh, cleaning the kitchen. Mm. So that was hell. Um, <laughs> and then I also got caught I like FaceTiming, but mm -hmm. uh, Andy mentioned you have an app to block your camera, right? Yeah. I lied saying that I did it and yeah. then I unlocked it to um, FaceTime my friends and my girlfriend. Got caught doing that. And so everyone does it, but I was the only one getting caught. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's looking at you going, not everybody does it. Yeah. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I got caught smuggling um, scrambled eggs because there was like a quota. Yeah. It was like one spoon. Yeah. It was like, like one scoop of scrambled eggs per person i was like this is bullshit because like i'd rather not eat scrambled eggs mm -hmm. if if it's gonna be like you know like a fistful so then i went back to the kitchen because i was on kitchen you know i was cleaning the kitchen for a month because i got in trouble, trouble yeah, for something else yeah <laughs> but i had access to the scrambled eggs so i brought like like a bowl full and then i got caught eating that so <laughs> <laughs> so all this is going on while yeah. i'm like going on missions and then my friends would be like back from the mission they're like oh we're gonna go like we're going to go to the PX. And I was like, yeah, I got to wash dishes now. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And interesting here. And I, I think, you know, if uh, you survived, yeah. you survived, it changes you. It gives you the stories. And then if you can meet up with your captain and your friends afterwards and, yeah. and, joke and laugh about it. Yeah. Time. And laugh about it. Yeah. It's that's it. That's it. Makes it makes your stories a little bit pale in comparison, doesn't it? You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you never very bland time for me. <laughs> um, is there anything else we've missed? I feel like this. Uh, we, we we got there. I just wanted to say something yeah. about what you can really get from the military experience after you've gotten discharged. Um, there's two things. There's discipline, and there's good memories. Mm. <clears throat> and discipline-wise, um, you really learn to be able to take in really bad shit and cope with it yeah. and not have that show mm. on your face or as like an emotion. And I think that's one of the most valuable skills that I learned because... Um, not only in the military, Korean 
society, it, there is the yugyosasang. There is Confucianism. Confucianism. There's um. There's the hierarchy between ages, mm. and especially if you're trying to get into like a Korean company like mm. a tegiop, um, you have to know how to discipline your way out of tough situations with people and with um, what you have to do. And I think the military really grinds that into you for a year and a half. Mm. And, uh, like, whatever you do in the military, like, whatever your occupation is, you don't leave as, like, a soft, like, boy, Mm. I don't think. Because everyone that does their year and a half experience comes out as a sergeant. And and the majority of people that have gone through this experience would learn to take responsibility, mm-hmm. would learn to um, treat both your superiors and your uh, lower juniors. Juniors, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that is very good to go through. And the second one is uh, it good. toughens you up, basically. Yes, definitely it gets you to deal with shit. Yeah, mm. um, and the good memories part. I just even after getting discharged, like I really miss the routine life that everybody in the military has to go through. So mm. it's not just you that's having a hard time; it's everyone sharing the same common goal of someday getting out of here. Mm. And that unifies you, this group of people, in a way that you can't experience out in society. Um, And just, uh, like, going out in the morning, like in the winter, like, you know, um, wearing all your clothes with, like, a cup of Mexican white gold. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, borrowing a masse from your... uh, yeah. And just taking that smoke like in the morning, like crisp winter morning. Mm. I just can't forget that. Hope my mom doesn't watch this. Coconut <laughs> smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, things like that. Just it's great. Mm. Something you can't ever experience again in your life. Because mm. um, you'll never be a pyongsa. You'll never be a soldier. Even if you do go back into the army, you're gonna go as like staff sergeant or an officer but those things mm. I think about it from time to time and I really do miss it sometimes the maximum weight of gold and the tambe they don't taste like they used to oh. I, don't, I don't even <laughs> they, they look, I don't even taste touch like it. that I don't yeah. even I don't even look at it yeah because uh, it's not gonna bring me that same satisfaction mm. right right and it might suck sometimes but it sucks equally for everybody and Definitely. you know you, you get through those things, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm feeling a bit of Derry Mandok even listening to yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of sitting here going, well, I want to do a bit of it now. <laughs> I, I think it's just because I'm so competitive sometimes. It's like, well, you did it. No, I want to fucking do it. Uh, <laughs> no, I totally get it. Um, Inu, any 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 final ideas on, on the military? Any 
conclusions, any things that need to you want to say to anybody that might be listening about to serve or has served? Or? Um, like Andy said, it's a very good place to get disciplined, learn some modesty, just learn how to behave. I'm not sure if it's the only place you can get that, but it's pretty effective for 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 quite a lot of people. So um, that's going to be a plus, if at all. And um, so at the military, like everything you do is practically based on orders. So everything's given to you. Mm-hmm. Like you don't act by yourself. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are actually times, especially, um, it w- I think it was uh, like several months after I got discharged and I felt a bit lost in the sense that I was so used to the year and a half of people telling me what to do. And the military, uh, obviously it wasn't like a beautiful experience, but it was very, um, what's the word? Like anjongam? Stable. It was very stable in the sense that there's like a weekly routine I literally don't have to think. Mm. And there are certain times that I really miss that because um, I have these phases of feeling proactive and then like feeling very uh, not wanting to do shit. And when switching between those uh, personalities, sometimes I really wish like, oh, like if there was somebody who just laid out an agenda for me, it would be so much more convenient. Mm. And I think that's something I miss. And the routine itself, like the routine lifestyle itself um, is enriching. It was enriching for me. So that's another thing to look forward to, maybe, if you're getting this. (laughs) (laughs) How's your routine now? um, So one big thing I have, uh, I've got is uh, a habit of working out. Especially because my brother's uh, been discharged last month or like a couple of weeks weeks back, mm. so we work out together now, and it's like a, a repetitive uh, thing. So that's that's the thing I like. What kind of service did your brother do? Um, he was did in the army. Navy translation. Oh, go on, sorry. Oh no, he was a, he was just in the army, uh, mostly administrative stuff, I think. Mm. But yeah, I think. The routine lifestyle, I, I do miss it from time to time. Mm-hmm. I, I think the routines, the working out, the fitness, I mean, I can see it in people. that It blows my mind sometimes when I'm at Hanyang and there'll be one guy and he hasn't done his work or something. And he's he's six foot four or something. And he'll come and stand over me and he'll be like, yes, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you've done your military service, haven't you? You, know, and, and you can tell the ones that have and haven't sometimes because it's the way they carry themselves or even sometimes the way they're built and things like this. It, it's not just, it's physical and psychological, right? Which uh, I think is what you're getting at. Charlie, closing thoughts on the military, mate? Um, well, I, I think what's fantastic is like, we have, you know, who was in the Navy. Mm. We had uh, Andy and I, the only thing we share is Nonsan boot camp. But the fact that we all went to the army as three, you know, uh, you know, relatively different individuals, and yeah. whether whether it's the three of us or all Korean men who have served, you can just sit down and there's always something to talk about because we've all mm. gone through the same thing. Mm. And there's, I don't think there are many other things, at least in different cultures, where you share this one thing. But for mm. Korean males, whether we like it or not, we all have 
this one thing that was a very big part of our lives. Mm. And so we can always just sit down, get a drink, and talk about it. And just, you know, through talking about our life experiences in the Army, we become closer. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely something that wasn't easy, but I have no regrets doing it. And if I'm, you know, if there is such a thing as, like, uh, a next life, I mm. want to serve exactly with the same people at the same base doing exactly what I did. And I have no regrets. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Done. That's it. Awesome. That was fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. That was brilliant. <coughs> Did we live up to your expectations? <laughs> at all? I didn't have any expectations. <laughs> Even better. Ukraine and so on and so on. <laughs>